It's time to accelerate. Hey, friends, this is Andy. Welcome to episode 643 of Accelerate, the sales podcast of record. Hey, I'm honored to be joined on the show today by my guest. Joining me is Sangram Vajra. Sangram is CMO and co-founder of Terminus. And in this episode, the topic is trust. We're going to have a conversation about trust on several levels. And first of all, the obvious challenges of building trust with your buyers in a noisy, competitive market, which is certainly a situation that most of us face these days, as well as the challenge of building trust internally within your organization, especially between sales and marketing. And Sankram is going to share what Terminus is doing to build that trust or what they've done and talk about how they align the interests of their sales and marketing teams around some common goals, not only to share accountability to each other, but also to the company to achieve these goals. So you want to stick around, make sure you check that out. If you'd like to see the show notes for this episode, go to andypaul.com forward slash 643. Now, before I jump into my conversation with Sangram, let me say that I often hear from listeners who are looking for a new sales challenge, and I tell them that one of the most important elements to career success is aligning yourself with the right company, the one that develops its employees, values their customers, and has a portfolio of category-leading products that can compete with anyone in the market. And if, with its recent acquisition of Level 3, the new CenturyLink really has become a world leader in providing cloud, real-time communications, managed services. And if you're a top sales producer and you're looking to challenge yourself in order to take your career to that next level, then visit CenturyLink.com forward slash accelerate. That's CenturyLink.com forward slash accelerate and see if CenturyLink could be the right step for you and your career. All right, let's get into it. Sangram, welcome to Accelerate. <laughs> Excited to be here with you, Andy. It's been it, a while. It's exciting to have you here. So I have a standard open questioning, op- standard opening question I ask all my guests. Gosh, I can't even speak today. Is, um, in your opinion, what's the single biggest challenge facing sales reps today? Um, I think, you know, to put it bluntly, uh, a lot of people don't trust salespeople. So trust, I believe, is one of the number one reason uh, or number one challenge most salespeople are facing right now. What do we do about it? Yeah, I think it, it built over relationship, right, over time. And, and trust is something that, you know, at the end of the day, every business thrives on it. We all have pipeline quotas, revenue goals and metrics and everything to kind of look at and, and figure things out. But, you know, you and I are, you know, are people, people sell to people, people buy from people. And there's something about that whole notion till the bots take over completely, as some people would probably proclaim out there. I think we're still in the business of selling to people. So trust is by far the most important thing in the business. And it's hard to measure. Right. And, and that's the challenge. So when we, when we say, well, what are we going to do about it? I think we just build more trust. And, and that's kind of easy to say, hard to do. <laughs> and really, actions really matter more than it. But, but I think one of the ways that I've seen people do and salespeople do really, really well uh, from a trust building perspective is, is, is that they one. Uh, they know more about you, right? They know enough to, it, it's not immediate like, like here's my pitch, here's my product, here's what I want to sell. I mean, that doesn't build trust. 
So I think it's important to know what doesn't build trust, and then maybe there, and that may be a, a long list of things, and maybe there's something that do build trust. But you know, if if somebody's just pitching, that doesn't build trust. We all know that. If somebody's talking about their product or services, we know that doesn't build trust. Like we all get these emails every day. As a marketer myself, I get an email almost like three, four emails every day, if not more, that says, "Hey, here's what we do. Here's what we sell. Here are the customers that we uh, we have seen success with. Do you want to buy from us?" That doesn't build trust, and I, I, I don't know why people still do that. Now, the thing that has worked with me when, when building trust is that somebody reaching out and said, hey, Sangram, I've seen you write about this, art, uh, about this concept in so-and-so article, and I see that this is one of the big challenges that I think marketers are facing in the, in the marketplace today. So I'd love to just take 15, 20 minutes of your time to see if our product and services, and then they talk about what, what they do, might help you address some of the challenges you mentioned in this post or in this podcast or, or out there in the marketplace. Mm -hmm. I think that is a beginning of building trust. Yeah, I mean, I, there are, yeah, I've read quite a bit about trust and, and for people listening and for Slackroom too, if you haven't already read uh, Stephen M. R. Covey's book, The Speed of Trust, I'd really recommend it. Oh, yeah, uh, it's a beautiful book. Right. Beautiful book. And, um, yeah, he sort of talks about four cornerstones of building trust and, and you know, your customer being able to be transparent about your motives when you deal with somebody. You know, it's really important um, that you have integrity. Really important. And integrity meaning not honesty per se, but that your actions align with your words. And so the, yeah. you have this congruence of, you know, people don't raise an eye or are suddenly suspicious if you say something and do something that's contrary to it, but that you're in alignment, you know, that you have competence to, to execute or competence you know, on a basic level and that you can execute on what you, you talk about. And uh, really the cornerstones of trust, and I think for salespeople, you know, for them to think about it, how do I start that? It's, as you talked about, it's to be be other oriented, you know, be self oriented. I know we talk about it all the time, but think about it in the context of of motives and motivations. As somebody's looking at you and saying, "Okay, well, what, you know, what's what's Sagram's motivation when he's talking to me here?" They right, should, they and I should think, be unambiguously clear about it, which is you're there to help them. Yeah, and it's so hard. I think I think uh, I almost think about, and this is somewhere I'm going to start dating myself. But you know, the time where somebody could actually <laughs> come to your office with a suitcase and and actually sell you something, right? I mean, unless you are, I mean, of course, there are enterprise sales and and all that wine and dine and all those things still happen. But nobody shows up to your office with a briefcase and a catalog of things to sell. So when you're looking at someone in the eye. And trying to sell or trying to share and trying to figure out a problem and all that stuff, I think it's a completely different ballgame. Now, the sales team, unfortunately, have to be behind a phone and behind social media and behind, I think they're not out there, right? So there's no eye-to-eye -eye contact, there's no physical, like, chemistry to kind of help people build trust. A lot of times, trust is built literally without even talking. You look at someone and you feel like, oh, I can trust this guy or gal for some reason. So there is this natural ways of kind of having trust, but because we have so much technology and all of more or more of the conversations are either happening over emails or a phone call or, um, or, or just like, you know, over social media, you're not seeing the other person. And that can be a big reason why you're not building trust. So I've seen some of the customers, some of, you know, at Terminus, uh, but also at other 
companies where they would just start sending videos now because videos is the next best thing to to being in person. So that start and, and I think that is all. It's not just a new channel. People think about, oh, now instead of emails or in addition to email, I'll also do video. Well, it's not that. It's really, if you go to the bare bone, the brass ass, why, why are people doing videos or why people get engaged on video better than email? I think that's because you can now look in the other person's eye and you can kind of feel a sense of like, okay, that's a human. I can trust that person and I can uh, and potentially buy from this person. So that likability factor really starts when you have that one-on-one conversation. Yeah, I, I think that I agree with you. I mean, to to a degree, let's say, as, as I believe the, you know, the, the channel that you use can help, right? If you're going to start using video to communicate, I mean that certainly gives you a sense of that sort of face to face. But I, right. I, you know, I think that that people overestimate the differences <laughs> over the last 10, 15, 20 years. You talk about people don't showing up with briefcase anymore. Well, I can tell you when I started my sales career, which was forty years ago, you know, I did most of my prospecting on the phone. I mean, I mm. yeah, I had a period of my career when I first got started. We had to go out and make 30, 40 cold calls a day in person. Right. Wow. Okay. So I did that for a long time, but then after that, I mean, I you know I give people examples. You know, I spent 15 years selling you know large complex communication systems worth millions of dollars. Did all my prospecting over the phone, right? So, and, that, and and it has working like it, and you've been able to build trust through phone. You build trust with the phone. So to me, I think, and we talked about you know the the being transparent with your motives and your agenda. You know that that can get communicated through the phone almost as well as it can in person, right? If you're truly sincere that what you're there to do is to help somebody. And I, I relate the story when it's early in my career. is went out on a sales calls. It was my first job. I've been there for, I don't know, less than a year at this point. Went out on some sales calls with the most senior guy in the office because he was just crushing it. I thought, okay, I want to learn what he's doing. And so we walk up to this, the, we go out and drive to this office park we're in the San Francisco Bay Area and, and uh, we get out and just go knock on doors in this office park. <laughs> and um, we get to the first door, and there's a big sign on the front of it that says, no salespeople, or no salesmen at the time. It was no salesmen. <laughs> oh, man. And, yeah, I'm new and so on, and he just opens the door and walks right in. And, <laughs> and the receptionist says, uh, did you read the sign on the door? He goes, I did. He says, well, I'm not here to sell you anything. I'm here to help you. And he says, oh, wow. I help businesses grow their sales profitably. Yeah. And she just stopped. Wow. And she just stopped. Yeah, because she was used to kicking everybody like him out. But it wasn't just a line. He believed it. See, this is the thing I took from this was yeah. that I learned is that with this guy, his name is Gary. Gary had grown up, his parents and I think had owned a furniture store. And so he'd grown up in retail helping people buy furniture for their homes and so on. And he Every soul of his being, he believed that he was there to help them, not to sell them something. And so for me, it was wow. like this incredible lesson early in my career. It's like, oh, that's what this is about. Yeah, it's this, it's so powerful, right? If some if you believe in something and your eyes or your you know conversation over phone or email or whatnot, I think you're just going to be more confident because Absolutely. you believe in something. And, and your confidence in and itself can change the conversation. Okay, well, this person really believes that this is going to work for us. So if he believes, even though I don't know if it's going to really work, but because his belief is so strong, uh, maybe I'll give it a shot. And that's where I think a lot of the conversations begin. Exactly. So what's the root 
of passion. The root of passion is confidence, right? Mm. You can be passionate about this idea of helping someone and the product and service you're selling, right? Because you've got confidence. You've got confidence in your knowledge. You've got confidence in your knowledge of the customer and the product and the value it provides and so on. That's where that, Man, that passion that. comes from. And that that's yeah. freeing. And I think yeah. part of the passion oh, comes... I, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I'm, I'm, I'm just kind of thinking about like this confidence and belief system. I, I think at the core of the trust, uh, you know, the whole conversation around trust is, is really feels like the confidence and, and belief system is really at the root of it. And if you have that, I think that's where you can build trust. So I love that uh, building blocks. I'm, I'm glad you shared that. Well, I think that, that where it boils down to, and this is where I think we don't spend enough time talking to salespeople, is that it's what the lesson I learned when I went out with, on the call with, with Gary and that, <laughs> that I described is I understood that you had to stand for something. Mm. Right? That you had to have some belief. And in that case, the belief was, you know, one of my values is, in Gary's case, yeah, I'm here to help you. And not, you know, not an inauthentic way, but at the core of his being, I'm here to help. This is my job. I firmly believe this. And, yeah. and we don't, you know, we don't talk to people in sales enough about what do you, what do you believe in? What do you stand for? And, yeah. and if you're really, solid in your in your beliefs and i you know your value system then again that something helps communicate confidence translates to passion you know i'm here to help you whether it's on the phone or in person people begin to sense that and it's it's yeah. the, the thing that you know to me that all builds up into your character right so they they sense your character and yeah. that you know speaks to your motives and your integrity your character speaks to all those things so the four cornerstones we talked about uh, you know, it's very powerful. And so, yeah, I think one of the areas where I started to feel like when, why do salespeople, if you want to go that route, we're like, well, why do salespeople just don't inherently have the confidence and belief system? And I think it's what I've seen is a lot of times they don't believe in their own product. And if they don't believe in the product, they may be great salespeople, but if they don't believe in the product uh, and what they're selling and if the results are actually going to do what they're going to do, it's really hard to continue to be on that trajectory and, and really have to put a lot of work and effort. And I know that uh, that every time, well, thankfully, I've worked in companies and started a company that actually the, the sales team will look at the demo. They're, they're, they're seeing the customers who literally get customers come and speak every single month uh, in the company to build their confidence. It's not to build that, hey, we're doing something. It's to build the salespeople confidence because they get so fired up every single month seeing a customer speak or internally or externally on a webinar or inside the office that they are like, oh my goodness, this this is great. We're changing lives. We are helping marketers do something better and bigger. And we are actually creating jobs and things like that. And then that that conversation, that mindset, and the call they have the next moment after that conversation, it's is always so amazing to listen to because they are just full of passion and love for the product. Yeah, and I would I would take it one layer deeper even still, which is because I agree with you that you know confidence coming from understanding that you know customers are getting value from the products that you're selling and they they're loving them is yeah they need to understand like I said this, their own their own values first yeah and even to the point where they sit down and write because what they're afraid of the lack of confidence comes from they're afraid people are going to challenge them on those values mm. right this is you know if you tell your peers yeah I'm, I'm i'm here to help the customer i'm yeah and you 
communicate that you're you're really you know embodying it it's an authentic value that you have you know people get people get nervous people are going to question them on things yeah. and so the way that you you become more confident in them is is yeah write them down absolutely what, what do i stand for you know in this job in this role right here what do i stand for I, do i stand for helping the customer do i stand you know for you know integrity and and you know write it down and then yeah share it with somebody I mean, that's the thing is, you know, we have we got to be a little bit of vulnerability is really good. You know, share it with somebody. Maybe this is part of what sales leaders need to do is, you know, in a meeting is let's talk about our our values. And, you know, their book's been written about this in sales is, you know, this is a crucial crucial step in building a, a sales team is, is, you know, we have shared values. Yeah, I love I love that. I think one of, one of the things that we have done at Terminus is every single person who gets hired, and this is something newer tradition. We actually have the team or the person uh, go through Strength Finder, mm-hmm. and that has helped the team recognize, oh, this person is good at this, right? Like because some of this is like it's hard to start even a conversation on it, right? Like, oh, so what are your values, right? You mm-hmm. know, it's it's hard, and everybody has this mask of things like well i don't want to say i'm this or that so it's hard especially if you're new in the organization and things like that so people you know unfortunately might fake it until they make it so the strength finder uh, is is one of the examples or one of the ways that i've seen people are able to okay so you're good at this this is great so that in and itself builds confidence okay yeah i'm good at this it clearly shows i'm good at this and now it opens up a deeper conversation to your point andy like okay so well how do you how, why are you good at this like why is it that makes you good at x y and z whatever that is that the strength finder kind of pops out and that really uh, makes people have a much deeper stronger conversation as a team to know and work together well as a team as well yeah, I mean, there's a a um, <laughs> hundreds probably, right? These kind of tests. Yeah, but there's there's um, a favorite quote of mine, and I've said it before on the show, but it's from uh, I don't know if you're a football fan at all, but from my favorite football coach of all time, a guy named Vince Lombardi, who coached the Green Bay Packers back when mm-hmm. I was growing up, first Super Bowl champions ever, and and it's got this. He was incredible deep thinker about developing people and their capabilities and as human beings, not just as, as players. And he has this, this uh, quote that's almost like a poem. It's called Winning is a Habit. But it has this interesting you know, progression. I'll, I'll just give it to you. you know, he said, yeah. watch your thoughts. They become your beliefs. <laughs> watch your beliefs. They become your words. Watch your words, they become your actions. Watch your actions, they become your habits. Watch your habits, they become your character. Wow. And you just see how that so just logically builds, right? As yeah, we may have thoughts, but you know, are we are we conscious about how we're using those thoughts and translating those into our belief system, our values? You know, and we're taking our beliefs and yeah. putting them down in words and saying, hey, this is what I stand for. And then you know, we have this inherent natural desires humans to, to really be congruent with our thoughts and be consistent with our thoughts and our actions so you know once we've written them down in our words you know, are we taking our actions that are congruent with those and if we are consistently practicing those they become our habits and that defines who we are as a person Man, i love that it, 
Yeah, I, I I have this written down on mine. I was just refer- I was just going through my diet. Well, where is it? We have written down the bottom of one of those pages, which and I don't know where I heard this. It's just the three three words: thoughts become things, and that's it. And mm-hmm. and somebody said that, and and you gave me a much deeper kind of full process. So that's pretty cool. I'm gonna kind of uh, write it down um, later on, listening yeah, to this I- again. Yeah, well, I can uh, send you the quote. That's that's fine. Yeah, that that's that's phenomenal. It's like what your thoughts are; they will become your things uh, at some point, and you like it or not. So you need to control your thoughts or understand your thoughts at a minimum, so you can understand where you're going. But I love I love that whole process that you just went through because habits is what really makes and builds the uh, later on the character uh, in the process because you're going to just reflect on each of those things as almost a journey. Yeah, yeah, and so when you think about your character being the culmination a little bit of that journey is so when you first interact, getting back to our conversation, when you, whether on the phone or whatever methodology you use, when you first interact with that, that potential buyer, they're going to sense that character. Yeah. It's going to come through. Yep. You can't hide. You, know, you, can't, you can't hide <laughs> from it. Or, or you can't hide from it for long, right? Too long, yeah. And and the thing about perceptions is is that perceptions, these first perceptions, are so strong and so sticky. And the research has has gone through this a number of times. Is you know we're not even aware of the fact that we're forming these perceptions of other people. They're happening what the psychologists call you know precognitive perceptions. Um, but what the research found is that we don't we're we're loath to change our perceptions of somebody once we formed them, even if we're given evidence to the contrary. Yep. Yep. I love that. So this first interaction, really key. And so having your values in line, understanding what you stand for, how that translates into your selling, that gets communicated right away. So um, yeah, yeah, good stuff to talk about. Well, let's let's shift the focus a little bit because we were going to talk about sales marketing alignment. Um, and I'd like to get into that in the time we have, have remaining is because this is yeah, what a passion of Terminus is, obviously. Yep. Business is built on that. Um, so on one of your podcasts, which I'll give you a chance to talk about your podcast uh, in a bit, is you talk about this initiative you had at, at Terminus to really solidify your sales marketing alignment, um, what you call a one-team initiative. So what can you share with us a little bit about that? Yeah, uh, so hashtag one team, right? I, I think I think it just became a thing. We were, uh, the executive team, we were just at an offside trying to figure out, trying to recognize what the industry has kind of changed and, and how Terminus is changing. And as we have brought in a lot of people, we're like, okay, let's, let's look at our vision again and, and see where it's going. And we started to kind of poke around the vision. The vision is to unify uh, the world's go-to-market uh, teams, like every single go-to-market team in, in any business out there in the world. So like, how do we unify these go-to-market teams? And we peeled the onion a little bit, like, well, who are these go-to-market teams? Typically, it's marketing and sales, or and, and typically it has been sales. And now lately, with the sales marketing alignment, marketing and sales. And if you really think about it, it's really marketing, sales, and customer success at a minimum. And then the rest of the teams are supporting those go-to-market teams. So it just came about as hashtag one team. And that just became one of our core values now in the company. So people would just talk about it. So, so what it really means from a marketing and sales alignment to specifically answer your question, it, it means that sales and marketing have one number. And that has completely fundamentally changed the way we operate as a business. So the marketers or the marketing team uh, do not have a lead goal, do not have number of leads or opportunities or anything like that. They have the same exact number 
as the sales team, so which means that the company has the same exact number. So that what that allows is that every week when sales and marketing meet, and obviously meet more often than that, but every week when we meet, we are we have a one team meeting where we are looking at of the tier one, tier two, and tier three accounts that mm-hmm. we want to penetrate. Mm-hmm. How many, what percentage of those accounts we are penetrating as a team? And marketing needs to support that. Sales needs to come back to that. So we both are always looking at how, what percentage of the accounts that we want to go after are we able to engage and penetrate. And that has fundamentally changed the way we look at sales and marketing. So our sales and marketing, this is, yeah, this is a question I, <laughs> I, have, <laughs> I, have, to, I have to ask. Of course. A little bit of a provocative question, but... So is sales and marketing still separate organizations? Well, I mean, they are in terms of the craft that you have to have for both the both the organizations. But they are, at the end of the day, everything is aligned when you're aligned with a number and a mission. So the mission is to be one team. And the, the number is what how the success will be. So when the sales team closes a deal, they, they actually bring the marketer together and, and gong it because they feel like there was, a, there was a team play there. And they talk about how it was worked. And the marketing team is equally excited about it. But what's, anyway, what's fundamentally changed here, right? And, and this debate has been there forever. And clearly, with Terman as being an accomplished marketing leader, we have been talking about this through our as one of the things that our platform helps do but but really it has been a philosophical conversation right and people are like yeah of course there should be alignment and and things like that but it, the alignment cannot happen until there is one number and one number can only happen when the sales and marketing team leaders both feel both feel that they are accountable to each other otherwise it's it's kind of bullshit because most organizations would say well yeah well sales didn't close the numbers or deals or marketing didn't provide anything in this case when you have one number and one team, what happens is marketing and sales are meeting daily, if not like every other hour or two hours to figure out, okay, well, we're going to close these deals, the next 90 deals in the next 30 days. How can I provide air cover for these 90 deals that we have in the pipeline? What are we doing to get more engagement? Well, let me figure out if we can get an executive. Oh, let's see if I can get you set up with a call with another customer, or maybe we should do a dinner over there or something because five of your opportunities are in the reason. So all these conversations, are not going to happen until both know that their bonuses are in, and, and salaries depend on that number. So are you still paying your sales reps commission? Well, we definitely are. Most definitely are. The commissions, uh, per se, hasn't changed. That hasn't changed. I do, but the marketing bonuses and marketing, uh, really the bonuses for the most part, are predicated on the fact that we meet those numbers. So, but are they somewhat, talk about using the term alignment, is because sure. I had this conversation just recently with another company that, um, yeah, we're considering getting rid of commissions because they really did have a team sell effort. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it wasn't just lip service. It, absolutely, they're working on large accounts as a team. And, it, you know, it seemed a little unfair to disproportionately reward salespeople if it truly was a team effort. Now, I think I think there's a debate on this, right? And I don't sure. know if there is a, a clarity yet. And, and I think it's going to mature at some point. I think the it really depends on the size of the deal. If every single deal, so majority of our customers are like mid-market and, and we're moving towards enterprise. So let's say we become an 100% only enterprise sales. I think maybe there is some conversation to be had on that because then you only have like 100 companies to sell to. So it, it, so the volume is not there to have more commission-based business. Marketing and sales need to just be working together and, and can probably share commission. 
But when you're closing uh, hundreds of deals every single month, um, then you, then I think it's really hard to kind of say that, well, marketing and sales need to kind of look at the commission because there's so much transaction, there's so much process that is, that is going on, and both are working together. But I do believe that there's merit to the debate, and the jury is still out of how things could be could be done, and I'm very open to, to, to that idea at some point in the future. Yeah, I mean, to me, it's the logical extension of what's happening with ABM and account-based selling and marketing is that... Um, I mean, this is part of argument in the past is this sort of back to the future because it's <laughs> it's this is the way companies have organized themselves oftentimes for years is is yeah we're we're going to go out and get this big account or these big accounts and we're going to put a team together that's going to work on one or more of these accounts and we'll have people from all sorts of different organizations but you know there's nobody that's you know sales or marketing they're all just part of this team. And yeah. so we start seeing sales and marketing sort of disappear as they're currently constituted as sort of, you know, siloed organizations. And it's just now we, we're going to pick these seven people. They're going to come from various disciplines to help us do these opportunities. And when these opportunities are closed, they're going to go redefine new project work and other opportunities. Yeah, I, I think the, the key change that I, I believe has happened in the last few years, and I definitely have seen that a lot at Terminus and a lot of our customers, is that marketing is now responsible for the accounts you need to go after. And that is a new thing. That is not has been the, the history uh, of sales and marketing relationship. Sales have always been responsible for sourcing the accounts and which mm-hmm. accounts to go after. Uh, the SDR team is you know doing cold calls to any and every account, and they have their own process to go through it and all that stuff. And they are at the end of the day coming up with the account, where we're coming up with the accounts. What has changed at Terminus, and I think in most uh, ABM thinking organization is that marketing is now fully responsible for coming up with a list of accounts that salespeople will go after. And what that changes is that, okay, well, let's say we have 9,000 accounts that we need to go after in the next few years. That's our entire universe, mm-hmm. 9,000 accounts or, 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 or the accounts. So now I'm going to, uh, marketing is going to assign accounts to the sales team and then sales team can figure out who gets those accounts and all that stuff. And then the engagement starts on focusing on, okay, what are the accounts? So everybody knows which accounts you're focusing on as a group, as a unit. And that is a fundamental change. I don't know if you're seeing that in many companies, but I, I, I've not seen as much. And lately I'm starting to see a lot more where marketing and owning the process of making sure we're going after the right accounts. And it's no longer sales coming up with a list of accounts, it's marketing. Yeah, definitely seeing that more and more. The The question that's still open is that, okay, but who actually owns the account? And you know, this is still where you get a lot of territorialism going on between sales and marketing. Mm-hmm. Sales saying, well, you know, hey, it's my commission at stake, so I need the ultimate say-so on strategy and tactics and so on in this account. And, and you know, other places are, on the other extreme, are sort of you know, doing, as I sort of described, more sort of team-oriented approaches yeah. and... Personally, I think the team-oriented approach, especially as you go into larger and larger deal sizes, makes a lot more sense. And then you're not ever worried about alignment because... Yeah, the team is working together. Well, but the team doesn't identify as marketing, sales, or engineering, or customer success. They identify as members of the team. 
Yeah, no, I love that. I think I, I think the part I do think from an ownership perspective, I think the fact that marketing marketing needs to take more ownership. I think that's where I think marketing is kind of laying back. Uh, and I think marketers, as a marketer myself, I feel like we have kept the you know behind the eight ball. Uh, we have not helped sales as an organization in in most cases to really be successful. Uh, we, we're creating blogs and eBooks and content and all that stuff, but because we're not focused on the account, or do not or or maybe do not feel the ownership of the account. I feel like the that it's it's an easy way for marketers to kind of point fingers at sales. So I feel like the more marketing take starts taking ownership of the account, the more better and strategic campaigns they can do, and almost making sure that well sales. You are the master of your craft of closing deals. That is your job. Marketing, your job is to come up with the right accounts, making sure that the messaging is right, and let the craft, everyone needs to play in their craft and, and do it. And I think that's a, that's something that takes a while and, and cannot be done overnight. Yeah, one thing that always complicates it is the fact that commissions. <laughs> because yep, them better. right because that all becomes an ultimate motivation for some people not that they're motivated purely by commissions but you know they know there's something at stake at, which is you know their income um so that's why i say this idea of of in certain deals certain types deals types of deals excuse me is you know commission some of an outdated concept yeah and you know it's one that though people go to their grave saying that Hey, sales and commissions are inextricably linked. Yet there are plenty of examples out there of companies. Again, it's you know, it's a distinct, tiny minority, but of companies that are succeeding with you know team-based approach. That yeah, people get bonused and they make good money, but they're not commission-based. Absolutely, cool. All right, Sagram. Unfortunately, we've run out of time. We're going to have to do this again because <laughs> we really didn't get to the things I'd lined up to talk about. But that's fine. We had a great conversation. Yeah. Yeah, I love this. I think the I, the idea of one team is very interesting, and there's so many more things to be talked and and pondered over. I feel like there's a big change and shift happening in the both marketing and sales mindset, and and as a result of that, really really good things are going to come out of this whole ABM and and bigger space in the mar in the martech industry. Yeah, no, I I agree. I agree. It's 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 heading in the right the right direction. Um, and there's yeah, it's going to evolve. That's all we can count on. It's going to evolve in ways we don't anticipate. So, um, all right. Well, Sakram, thank you as always. So, uh, tell folks how to learn more about uh, Terminus and to get in touch with you. Sure, uh, you can go check out terminus.com um, or just hit me up on LinkedIn or Twitter. I'm at Sangram Vajray, um, so you can just find me up there. All right, and um, we should have a bonus quiz for people who don't work at your company to tell us why you got the name. <laughs> well, so Terminus is the original name of the city of Atlanta. I knew so, that. I was, yeah. I was testing the audience. <laughs> well, that would be an interesting one if people didn't know that and, and find out. That might help people remember the name as well. Yeah, well, it's coming out on HQ Trivia here in the next couple of days, I'm sure. So <laughs> all you people that are playing and obsessed with that game, as everybody in my household is. So um, <laughs> thanks for, for coming on the show. Friends, thank you for spending this time with me today. Make sure you come back next time for the next great episode of Accelerate. Uh, until then, really appreciate you get a chance. If you listen on iTunes, subscribe, leave a review. Really appreciate any sort of feedback. So I'm your host, Andy Paul. Until next time, good selling, everybody. 